Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing sermon for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to hear of the more that God has for us. Amazing, amazing. It's amazing to be together at Life Changes Church. If uh, you didn't know, my name is Michael, and uh, I have the privilege of preaching this morning. And it's amazing to be together. It's amazing to do life with one another. But uh, we have finished our Move Again series, and that was through the book of Exodus as the Israelites moved out of slavery. Then they moved through the wilderness and into the promised land. And I really found this series so profound because it, it caused me to look at my own life and how I walk out this Christian journey and how I follow God and my own faith journey. And I believe that God is calling us as a community to move again in faith, but he's also calling us as individuals to move things inside of our heart and to step again in radical obedience and radical faith for him. But uh, if you are anything like me, your Christian journey maybe has been challenging at times. There have been ups, there have been downs. Uh, during the pandemic especially, I, there were many times that I doubted God and maybe went astray. No, just me, just, okay, fine. Uh, but if you have the testimony that uh, you came to faith, you came to Jesus Christ and everything just fell in place, there were no temptations, there were no pressures, there were no pleasures, that is amazing. Praise be to God, but know that you are not normal. <laughs> the Christian faith and Christian journey is one way there are ups and downs, but God is calling us to obedience time and time again. And while looking at this movie, uh, myself and my own journey, this theme of obedience has been on my heart. See, a life lived for God needs to look like something. It needs to look different to the world. And so this morning, I want us to look at this topic of obedience. And so I'm just saying, for me, obedience is difficult. I am stubborn and strong-willed. You can ask my wife or my colleagues. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Um, but I am stubborn, and so obedience doesn't come naturally to me. See, obedience is a problem for any, every adult life. But actually, it's not something that's just expected us from us in the Bible. It is something that is demanded from us, from God. And so obedience is so pivotal in the Christian journey because it is about who we are, not what we do. So put another way is I have learned that partial obedience is actually not obedience at all. Being obedient in one area of my life, but actually not following God in other areas of my life is not obedience. He wants all of me. He wants my whole heart sacrificed to him. And he wants to do something radical in my life and in, the, in your lives as well. And I believe this morning he is going to shape and he is going to transform us, but that we will be a community who will be radically obedient so that we can see radical change in our world. Is that good? Come on. So we are going to look at how the obedience of two men secured an inheritance for future generations to come. And we're going to turn in our Bibles to Numbers 14. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles if you have one. You can get your phone out with the app or it will be on the screen behind me. Uh, and it's a chunky piece of scripture, so you're going to have to work for your Sunday lunch today. But we're going to read together. It says this in verse 5, Numbers 14. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. 
and a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people in the land because we will devour them. Their protection is God, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs and wonders I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Verse 20, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord falls the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promise on earth to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years or old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are wanting to do something in your people this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving in this place. I thank you that you are calling sons and daughters to live a life of radical obedience and radical faith unto your name. That you are calling us as a community to rise in faith, Lord. And that we will take hold of your promises. We will take hold of your goodness, Lord. And we will set aside things that do not align with your will. And that you will command a radical blessing in this place for your future kingdom. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on. So for context to this piece of scripture, Moses had sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan to bring back a report of good news to the Israelite people. All they had to do was go into the land and bring back this report that what God had promised them was actually true, that there was a land flowing with milk and honey, that there was abundance of life, that there was fruitfulness in the land, and that actually they, they could inhabit the land one day. And so these 12 spies come back, and God had already promised Moses and his people that they would inhabit the land. That was a promise given to Abraham and passed down to Isaac by God, the God who led them out of Egypt. But these 12 spies come back, and in this moment, this is quite an odd narrative, because they are going into a land to check if it is okay, a land that God had already promised. It's essentially like being given a free car and then demanding a roadworthy test on it. That is what is happening here. But actually, they go into the land, and they bring back this report, and Joshua and Caleb bring back a report of good news. They say the land is flowing with milk and honey. There, are, uh, there is fruitfulness. They had to carry back a cluster of grapes between a pole. Two men had to carry it. That's how big the fruit was. It was an amazing land that God had promised them. But 10 of the other spies brought back a report of fear and trepidation. They said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is fruitfulness. Yes, it will be an amazing land to inhabit. But they are enemies. They are giants in the land. The enemies are stronger than we are. The cities are fortified. We cannot ever inhabit this land. And they looked at the promises of God. And rather than looking through a lens of faith, they looked through a lens of fear. 
See, we have a choice to look through a lens of faith or fear. See, these are people who have time and time again seen the signs and wonders of God. These weren't ordinary 12 men. These were the leaders of the tribes of Israel. They were men who were held in high authority. They were men who had esteem in the nation. They were men who had seen God perform signs and wonders, yet they still chose not to believe in the promises of God. See, we have a choice this morning. We can either look through a lens of faith or a lens of fear, and essentially there are two ways to live. And the scripture is presenting this contrast between Joshua and Caleb and how they respond to the circumstances in the land and the other ten spies. And so they chose fear over faith, and that fear spread throughout the camp. Fear is contagious, but faith will lead to a future blessing. See, the tragedy of the Exodus story is that only two men out of two million people entered the promised land. That is one in a million. One in a million. No, we won't get into that. Not the hit Eddie song. But only one in a million people entered the promised land. Why? Because of disobedience, because they chose not to believe in the promises of God. They chose not to believe that God would inhabit the land for them. They chose not to believe that God would do what he said he would. See, because of the report by 10 men and the unbelief of the people, a whole nation missed out on the promises of God. See, not only did Joshua enter the promised land, but he would later lead the people into the promised land. See, he would become the leader of these people. But he didn't know it at that time. He didn't have an inside scoop on what God would do in his life. No, he just moved again in faith. He was just obedient to what God had said. And he chose to look through eyes of faith and bring back a report that was true according to the word of God. See, everyone saw God's glory. They saw God's glory in their midst, but they didn't choose to be led by God's glory. See, God's glory has to be paired with an obedient heart in order to live a life of faith. See, I'm a simple man. When I read the scriptures, I see it plain and simply that there are two different ways to live. I can either live a life of obedience that will lead to fruitfulness, that will lead to abundance of life, or I can lead a life of fear and disobedience that will only lead to death and chaos. Maybe this is a heavy for you, but this is in the Bible, and God is calling us to move again in faith and obedience. So the choice is ours. Which way are we going to live Life Changes Church? See, what we learn from Joshua is that obedience now will bring favor then. Obedience now brings favor then. As we look at the book of Exodus and Numbers, there aren't too many accounts of Joshua. We don't know a lot about him and his time in the wilderness. But what we do know is that Joshua was a man who chose to serve God's people and chose to serve God himself. From an early age, he was Moses' servant. He was Moses' aide. And he would have been with Moses when God spoke. He would have been with Moses when the Israelites scrambled against Moses and Aaron and God. He would have been with Moses when God's glory was there. See, he was there. He stayed. He stayed close. He learned, he listened, he heard, he saw, and he grew into the leader that God had called. 
See, he was simply a young man who chose to sacrifice much in order to serve the kingdom of God. And so, unfortunately, we live in a society where we can choose how to dwell. We can choose if we want to dwell with God's people. We can choose how to engage with God's word. We can choose how to engage in the kingdom of God. See, we can choose all of these things, and it's about our comfort, our needs, our way of doing things, rather than about what God has spoken. See, he was obedient where God placed him. There's an account of the king of Bavaria. In the 11th century, King Henry III, he was an amazing king. He ruled for many years, but he went to a local monastery, and he was tired of the monarchy life. He was tired of being a king, and he went to the, the prior there, and he asked to be accepted into the monastery. And this is what Prior Richard said to him, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Henry, the rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place God has put you. When King Henry died, a statement was written, the king learned to rule by obedience. Where has God put you? And are you serving faithfully? Where has God put you? Whether it's in your home, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in a school, are you serving faithfully and are you living with a lens of faith rather than fear? Where has God put you, Life Changes Church? See, obedience is instant, but the fruits of obedience are not. See, we can be obedient in an instant, but actually the harvest that we reap from that obedience may be for generations and generations to come, but it will be fruitful. See, Joshua stayed, he watched, he listened, and every moment when the Israelites uh, forsook God for other things, he saw that. He saw how to be obedient to God's word and his will, and he grew, and he realized that a life of obedience will lead to fruitfulness. See, the fruit of Joshua's life wasn't seen until much later. He was 19 when he became Moses' servant. He was 59 when he became the leader of Israel. That's 40 years in the wilderness. That's 40 years of serving. That's 40 years of a life of sacrifice. That is 40 years under God's law, under God's reign, seeing his glory. That's 40 years. But what did Moses do? He stayed. I'm not good at staying. I want to move on. I want to do my own thing. I want to live my life according to my own means and my own desires. But what did Joshua do? He stayed in the presence of God. He stayed faithful. Obedience costs something. The gospel demands much, but it promises much more. The gospel of Jesus Christ demands much from you, but I promise you it promises much more. Obedience is costly, but it's not about how much it costs. It's about, about how much it is worth. See, obedience is costly, but disobedience is even more costly. Disobedience will lead you to a place you don't want to go, and it will lead you further than you can think, dream, or imagine. See, because of 10 men, an entire community, because of their disobedience, an entire community missed out on the promises of God. Do you want to be one of the 10? Or do you want to be one in a million, like Joshua and Caleb? See, disobedience can lead you where you don't want to go. Obedience now shows that you trust God's future promises. Obedience now shows that you trust God for a future harvest.
unbeknownst to Joshua, he would not have known that he would become leader of the Israelite nation. In this moment where he chose to bring back a good report to the Israelite people and chose to stand on the promises of God, he could not know what this would do in the future. He could not know that he would lead future generations of Israelites into the promised land. But he chose to believe in God. He chose to be obedient to his word. It says this in verse 6, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. Later on, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. See, it's easy to be obedient when we get instant gratification. It's easy to be obedient when we see the fruits right then and there. But Joshua believed in God and believed that he would be faithful to the word that was spoken to Abraham and later to Isaac. See, I don't want to live a life that is not worthy of the core of the gospel. I don't want to live a life that is actually like one of the ten rather than one of the two. See, when the other spies claim that the Israelites would be devoured, Joshua begins to speak in faith and says that God will devour the inhabitants of the land, that God would defeat their enemies because he knew that God was greater. Joshua had many reasons to be afraid, but he had even better reasons to be courageous. See, the dangers were real. The threats were real. There were giants in the land, but he knew that his God was greater. See, not, uh, not only did Joshua believe that God was with them in the wilderness, he believed that God would lead them into the promised land. Do you believe that God leads you? And if you do, are you allowing him to lead you? See, are we a people who believe that God will lead us into something, that believe that God will lead us into fullness of life, into more of his grace, into more of his goodness, but our lives need to be shaped and transformed by that truth, by that fact, being obedient to his will, his word, and his purpose for our lives. See, we are all being led by something. We have a choice of who we are being led by and into what we are being led See, we need to trust in the promises of God. Joshua trusted in the promises of God. And trust is the point where faith and obedience meet. Trust is the point where faith and obedience meet. Obedience isn't a principle. It is a heart condition. It is choosing to believe that God is who he says he is. And the great theologian A.W. Tozer says this about faith and trust. True faith is not passive but active. It requires that we meet certain conditions, that we allow the teachings of Christ to dominate our total lives from the moment we believe. The man of saving faith must be willing to be different from others. Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. The effort to enjoy the benefits of redemption while enmeshed in the world is futile. We must choose one or the other, and faith quickly makes its choice, one from which there is no retreat. I can't tell you what obedience and faith looks like for you. But what I can tell you is if there is a part of your life that is not in alignment with God's word and his will, you need to make some radical decisions to be obedient to him. 
You need to make some radical decisions to leave whatever that is behind and walk in obedience, to leave fear behind, to leave anxiety behind, to leave the pleasures of this world behind, to be different for his gospel and to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. See, a radical life, if you want a radical life, it demands radical obedience. Moses left a legacy for Joshua, and Joshua left a legacy for generations and generations to come. He taught future Israelites how to obey the promises of God, how to believe that God would never leave them nor forsake them. See, we all have a, leave a legacy. We all leave a legacy for someone, but what type of legacy will we leave? See, a legacy isn't just possessions or material wealth. It is teaching them something about God. What type of legacy will we leave? Verse 20, I have forgiven them as you ask. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will see the land I promised. What is the legacy of the ten spies? A whole nation miss out on the promises of God. But because of the faithfulness of two people, because they decided to step out in faith and trust God, they saw an inheritance for future generations. See, God was still merciful even when they chose to forsake him. God was still merciful when in their brokenness, in their shame, in their sin, he was still merciful. See, they had seen God's glory, but they did not choose to be led by it. Don't just long to see God's glory, long to be led by His glory. Life Changes Church, long to be led by God, because I promise you, He will lead you into a promised land. He will lead you into a life of fullness and abundance, one free from sin, one free from slavery, one free from anxiety and depression. He will lead you into His promised land for us. Not how we think we should be led, led, not the land that we think we should have. No, God leads us. See, I am preaching this to my own heart today because I find myself time and time again straying from his words, straying from his will for my life because I want to live life my own way, but actually he wants me to be obedient as a son. I don't need to do anything, but being obedient is a core of God. He has created me as a son to respond to his gospel. See, that is what is burning on my heart today. My soul cries out that I will leave a legacy of one of the two rather than one of the ten, that I I will be one in a million that declares the promises of God are good to a watching world, to people who are in desperate need of some of His goodness and some of His grace, that wherever I go, I will step in faith, I will step in obedience, and I will see the promises of God come to fruition. See, even if I don't see it in my generation, I trust that God will complete what He has started. Life Changes Church, we are called to be a people of radical faith. We are called to move again in faith. And we are going on this building project and we are trusting that God will command a blessing there. And there are realities, there are financial realities, but we believe that God has spoken and we believe that many people will come to salvation because he is leading us and he goes before us and we are trusting in the God who is greater than the enemy, who is greater than sin and death and who will accomplish what he has started. We are trusting in that God, and our lives should be lived unto that God. Our lives, every aspect of our life, our thought life, our relationships, the way we act with our kids, how we pay our employees should be in a life of obedience and faith unto his name. 
See, it's not just about attending church on a Sunday, a tick box of Christianity. It's an everyday experience of being obedient under His Word. It's an everyday reality. And maybe at this point, you're feeling a little bit discouraged. You're going, Michael, I can't live that life. That's, you're asking too much of me. You're asking me to get, uh, set aside things that I have worked so long for. You're asking me to maybe put aside a relationship which isn't in alignment with God's will, but you, you just desire that. I'm going to say, do not be discouraged, for God is with you. Why could Joshua have so much courage? Why could Joshua be strong and courageous? Because he knew that God was with him. It says this in Joshua 1 verse 5 to 6. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and be courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. See, Joshua is no stranger to seeing God move in his midst, to seeing signs and wonders performed, but he longed to be with God. He longed to be obedient to God's ways. He longed to be a son who moves again in faith and courage. Why? Because he trusted God. And it didn't depend on Joshua. It didn't depend on his ability or how pure he was or how holy he was. It depended on God. God was with him. God was with him, and God promised that he would never leave him nor forsake him. Do you believe that promise? Do you believe? See, belief is knowledge that there is a God. Faith is an outward experience of an inward declaration and a lifestyle of living that out day by day that God is who he says he is. I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life that is worthy of the core of the gospel. I want to live a life that leaves a legacy for generations and generations to come. And every time I get it wrong, every time I stray, I need to find myself back in the presence of God, back to God and go, God, I am willing. I am willing. I am able, but I need you. I need your presence. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I need you. See, it's not by our own ability or Joshua's own ability that he led the nation into the promised land. It is because of God. God made the way. God made the way for them. See, Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land of rest. He defeated many enemies, but we serve a God named Jesus who defeated all the enemies on the cross who leads us into the promised land of rest, and He is the greater Joshua. And we can come to Him, and He is with us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is in you with the person of the Holy Spirit, and He goes before you. That is the person that we can depend on. That is the person who we can live for. See, He is the one who made a way for us. He is the one whose body was broken. He is the one who wants to see you live a life of fullness and abundance in Him. Can we stand this morning? Obedience is not a principle a principle or something that we have to attain or anything like that. Obedience is just a response to the love of Jesus Christ. Obedience comes from a heart reality of saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my King.
I look to trust you. I look to have faith in you. And whether your circumstances or, or whatever says that he is God, you believe that he is greater. If you have no money in the bank, you believe that he is your provider. If you are battling with fear and anxiety, you believe that he is greater and he has conquered the enemy on the cross. That is what it means to live a life of radical obedience. And this week, I was reminded that life is so fickle that your legacy can go in an instant. A close family member of mine had cancer and was in a hospital, and I saw them fighting in the hospital. And when I came out and came back to, uh, to Life Changes Church, I, was, um, I encountered a lady whose mom just passed away. And then later that week, a lady in our community lost her fight against cancer. And I was reminded that this life is fickle. This life is fleeting, but a life lived unto God will bring fruit in eternity. We have an eternal rest with Him. He is greater. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin on the cross. His body was broken and His blood was shed and a victory was won on that cross. And I need to remind myself every day when my heart becomes downcast and when I stray from Him and I forget His promises, I need to remind myself that God is greater, that God is good, and that He will lead me in eternity. And so as we take communion this morning, this is a reminder about what Jesus has done for you. This is a reminder that we can be obedient. Why? Because he was obedient unto death on a cross. That he went onto the cross and he died for your sin. He died for your shame. He died for your lack. He died for your fear. He died for the 10 spies and a whole generation who did not see the promises of God. He died for each and every one of us. And he is calling us into life and fullness with him. That was an amazing sermon. If you would like to find out what your next step is, why don't you go to our website, lifechanges.org.za or follow us on social media to find out about what is happening in the life of our church. Life Changes Church, we love you. Have an amazing, amazing week.